Let's say that you imagine for a moment you're going to go pick up your car at the mechanic. You took it to the shop, and he's doing a bumper-to-bumper diagnostic. He's done whatever he has to do. And you go pick up your car, and he says, this car is in great shape. Man, you, you, you have a, a mechanical genius working on your car. You've taken good care of it. This, this car is, like, ready to go. So you drive the car off, and all of a sudden, you hit the brakes, and you can't stop. Afterwards, you realize that you needed breaker fluid and that you could have killed yourself. So you go back to the mechanic, and, and you say, listen, why didn't you tell me? And this is his reply. Well, I didn't want you to feel bad. Plus, I was afraid that you might get upset with me, and I want this to be a safe place where you feel loved and accepted. Just hold on to that for a moment. So you go to the doctor, right? And a doctor does. Anybody ever been to a doctor? They do this physical from the, the, the bottom of your feet, the top of your head, run all kinds of tests and everything. And he says, man, I'm so proud of you. You're in great shape. You got the body of an Olympian for your age. And I'm like, wow, I'm good to go. But then all of a sudden, I'm climbing up a flight of stairs, and my heart begins to go. And I begin to realize Man, I'm having a heart attack. And you find out that your arteries were clogged and that your cholesterol and that you were one jelly donut away from the Grim Reaper. And you go to the doctor and you say, listen, why didn't you tell me? He says, well, uh, you know, I know that your body is in bad shape. You're like the Pillsbury Doughboy here. But if I tell people things like that, they get offended. And it's bad for business. And, and then they don't come back. And I want this to be a safe place where you feel loved and accepted. Do you see something wrong here? When it comes to your car, you want the truth, don't you? Right? You don't want to hit the brakes and wind up going down the road and then all of a sudden you're in trouble. The same thing with a doctor. You go to the doctor, the doctor, check me out, tell me how I'm feeling, you know, what's going on with me. He checks you out, he tells you, okay, you want the truth. I promise that I will stand before you and tell you the truth from this day on. I promise that I will go into the scriptures and I will search the scriptures to bring what God has to say to you about your present condition because here's the situation. We have a sin problem. Every person in this room has a sin problem. And that's the truth. And like I said early, I'm gonna, the truth about the truth is that it does set you free, but it's going to make you miserable first. Because the reality is, you have to be able to understand this. That we are not as good as we think we are. We don't got it going on. Even if we have some time in recovery, where one thought, one moment, one relationship, one place, one thing from relapsing. Come on now. That's the reality. That's the truth. And then what happens is that we hear this word grace being spoken to us in the church, and we make this huge assumption that because of grace, I can go out and do what I want to do. I want to give you a formula for you that hopefully keep in your head, and it's this. Grace plus truth. Can everybody see this? Plus time 
equals spiritual transformation. If you're writing, you should write this down somewhere in a notebook, piece of paper, something. We can misunderstand grace into thinking that it's liberty to sin. Grace is the empowerment for us to continue to walk this walk, to live out. It's unmerited favor. And that's a beautiful thing because we all are guilty. We all deserve to go to hell. But God, in his infinite wisdom and love, did this thing. He left his heavenly realm, came down, was born of a virgin, nailed himself to the cross, and said, I love you this much. I've come to show you the way that you can do, that you can overcome, that you can recover, that your marriages can be a trophy that I can put on display and say, hey, I did that. Truth, you can't play with truth. And time, listen to me, time is something you can't take back. You can't get it back. You can't recover time. What happened yesterday isn't yesterday. It's locked in your memory. You can't draw it from it. You can learn a lesson from it and move forward. But you take this formula here and spiritual transformation can happen in your life. I want to talk to you about two things we do with truth. One is we avoid truth. Come on now. We avoid truth. Every person in this room, when someone tells us the truth, we avoid it. We do several things with truth. They're selective attention. Right now, some of you are listening to me, some of you are not. Some of you are playing with your phone. Some of you are hoping it rings so you can go to the bathroom. Some of you are talking to your bladder because you want to go. You get really uncomfortable. Remember, the truth about the truth is this. It's going to set you free if you let it nestle inside you, but it's also going to make you miserable. Because here's the truth. You shouldn't be doing that thing. You shouldn't be hanging out in that place. You shouldn't be with that person. You shouldn't be acting the way you're acting and calling yourself a Christian. That's the truth. Makes you miserable because now what you're doing is selective attention. You're saying, who do you think you are? Well, considering I'm up on the stage, I'm the pastor. And because I'm the pastor, I want to be able to, first and foremost, honor God and what he's whispered in my ear through his prophets. He's made it very clear. You're a watchman on the wall. Tell the people the truth so that they can live out this life that I have for them. The truth of the matter is our marriages are in trouble. Our relationships are in trouble. Our finances are a mess. Our church is in trouble. And God is saying, I, I don't want you to be in trouble. I want you to be blessed. But we have to evaluate and assess our reality and say, this is where we are. That's where I need to get to. How do I get there? So we'll be asking questions to you. Where are you? You say, well, you know, I'm still exploring. You know, I'm still coming. I don't even believe this whole Jesus thing. My question to you is, how can I help you to grow? How can I help you to move along this continuum? Amen? The other thing that we do when we avoid the truth is we procrastinate. <laughs> Anybody knows that word, procrastination? Check this out. Some of us in this room, if they gave out degrees for procrastination, you all be doctors. Doctors of procrastination. Because here's what we do with the truth. We got really smart. We don't say never. We say later. I'll do it later. Later, I'll do it later. 
and then later goes on and on and years pass by and then we're sitting over here under the tree said where did time go and we never really accomplished anything they never really done anything hence why everybody in this room should be signing up for our class system come September there should be no excuse. There should be no procrastination. You cannot get time back. God is getting ready to do a wonderful and awesome thing here at MBT. And everybody here should be on board. Everybody here is part of the body. That is the truth. Stop coming in late and leaving early. Stop sitting in the back and sneaking out. Everyone here should be in the discipleship process. Because that is the great commission to all the churches in this world. To go and make disciples. Well, we can if your stuff is still in the way. If your junk is still in the way. We heard a wonderful sermon and a wonderful thing by Bill Hybels and Leadership Summit about tough callings. And can I just put this out there? A calling is not something that man puts on you. I cannot make you a pastor. I cannot make you an evangelist. God calls you and equips you through the power of his Holy Spirit and his word for you to go out. But you're never going to find that out if you just sit still. Because God is speaking to us in a small, still voice. And we have to lower down all that noise, the community of the voices in our heads, all that stuff that you hear you're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. You're worthless. Don't worry about it. You deserve to be happy. Go on. Do you. Don't worry about it. There it is. Grace. Misunderstanding grace. That it's liberty to sin. It's not liberty to sin. You can't take time back. The devil is a liar. And he wants nothing more than to deceive you into believing that you got all the time in the world. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to anybody. It's good to say amen right about that. There's no way. The other thing is that we use whatever perspective to help us think that we're okay. Right? From where I sit, I'm okay. I'm not bothering nobody. I'm not hurting nobody. I'm, I'm not doing anything. Well, if you've grafted yourself into this body and you've been coming around for a little while and you raise your hand and you say you love God and I'm a Christian, well, guess what? What you do and do not do affects the body. I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. Right? Everybody here is connected. And it's so important for us to begin to address the sin first in our leadership, in, in the pastor. I need to address sin in my life. So that I can be free to move in that abundant life that God is talking about. So it's important to do that. The other thing that we do is we forget God. We have a habit of forgetting God. How many of us had foxhole prayers that we cried out to God and said, God help me in our deep, miserable addiction, in our habits, lost. We cry out to God and say, God help me, and God does because God is faithful. Despite the fact that we're unfaithful, God shows up and God provides for us and he's faithful and we forget God. I want to read something so important because Jeremiah said it best when he says, Does a bride forget her wedding ornaments? Have you ever seen a bride forget her ornaments? Imagine an ugly bride walking down. Hey, you forgot your stuff. What's up with Jamaica? No, I'm good. 
We're going to find out in that video and in those pictures, and that groom may run off. So a bride doesn't forget her ornaments, but we forget God, it says in Jeremiah. We have forgotten God. People of God forget God. We push them out. And we have a way of having this, this, this strategic memory loss. Listen to me. We remember what matters to us. What matters to us. We remember what matters to us. And I've got to ask you a simple question. If your marriage matters, if your relationships matter, if your finances matter, if your so-called profession that you say that you love God matters, if your soul matters, and you're catching on to this heaven and hell thing, how do you begin to act in a particular way now to allow God to do this? This spiritual formation, please. It's so important for us to embrace that. It's so important for us to understand that we never forget things at random. We remember what really matters to us. It's where the Bible says that we have to begin to think of others more than ourselves. It's where we think of the community and the greater good rather than our individual happiness. Somewhere along the line, we have become a selfish people, a people that is simply concerned about me and what I do. And there's a lot of pity parties that go on, a lot of tears that are shed. And uh, I remember my father being really strict with me and saying, uh, uh, stop crying, boy. You're never going to be a man if you cry. And, of course, I learned later on that men do cry. It's a good time to say amen, fellas, because if you ain't having, if you're a man in this room and you ain't cried, you got a problem. We need to cry. We need to cry more often. We need to cry in the presence of God and allow him to purify and clean and get that junk out of us. Man, I cry now for the simplest of things. I cry for Lion King. I do. I do. I mean, you ask my kid, you know, it's like, oh, dad, not again. I just... You know, just don't put on Lion King because I'm crying. And it's so important for us to realize that it's okay to do that. When was the last time you had a good cry before the Lord? No, no, I'm not saying crying about your situation, but a good cry before the Lord. Because crying over your situation is whining. Crying in the presence of God because you know he is so magnificent, so great, so awesome, that he is a provider, that he has vowed to take care of me because he loves me. He will provide for me. He will make a way. The great song that I was listening to on the way here that talks about, God, you must think that I am so strong to give me what you've given me to handle. And I'm like, wow, that's powerful. That God will look inside me, and I understand this whole weakness and strength. I know that in my weakness, his strength is perfected, but only if I believe that truth. Because I'm weak. I'm frail. I'm a marred vessel. And it's so important for us to embrace that truth. This is the truth. And, and in this sermon, it's going to talk about how loving enough to speak the truth. Do you love me enough to speak the truth? This is not recreational truth. This is not you dumping on me so that you could feel good. 
That's not what this is. We're going to see that there are some elements, some characteristics of speaking, you know, love. You know, when we speak the truth in love, we're going to see that there are certain things that we should be doing. And there are certain things we shouldn't be doing. I don't want to speak the truth, although I may have it, to dump on you. And then I walk away and say, man, I feel good. And then you're over there feeling miserable, feeling bad. How many of us have messed up in this room? Come on, raise your hands. You're in church. Stop lying. Okay, we've all messed up. And we all know that we've messed up, right? I don't need you barking at me when I messed up because I'm already before God. (laughs) Oh, God, I'm sorry, God. I did it again. I did it again. You know what I need at that moment? Come on, brother. How can I help you? Let's pray together. What happened? What can we do to try to help you along this way? Because here, here's the reality. You're here. You need to get there. And you're not moving. You're not moving. I always tell this to Pastor Edwin. It's in my toolbox. It's not in his toolbox. I have a taser in my toolbox. (laughs) He doesn't let me use it. It's a taser to get people to move along. You know, he says, no, 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 you can't use that here. It works, though. But he won't let me use it. So that's all well and cool. I'll keep it in my toolbox for now. Amen? I want to read something about how we forget God because some of us claim that we are without sin. And if we claim that we are without sin, we deceive ourselves. And most of sin is about self-deception. We think that what we're doing is okay. And sometimes we say, oh, but the Bible doesn't say anything about this. Well, okay, then keep smoking your cigarettes. And that little thing that says on the package, the Surgeon General is wrong. The Surgeon General is lying to you, okay? Statistics are lying to you. It says something clearly there. So here's what you need. You need to go to God and say, God, free me from this habit that's going to kill me eventually. And I say that again. How? In love. Because I love you. But you're into self-deception, so you keep doing what you're doing for as long as you're doing Because even when the doctor tells you not to, you're going to continue to do it. Because the enemy got a hold of you. And the enemy has deceived you. And you've forgotten God and you push him out of the picture. So now sin becomes your friend. And sin is not your friend. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The enemy shares his glory with nobody. Nobody. When he's done with you, he steps over you and he goes to the next one. He says, oops, I'm done with you. See you later. Right? So we have strategic memory loss. We have a habit of forgetting God. And we also have a habit of uh, uh, forgetting these things that don't matter. We have this, you know, we don't forget things just like that. It doesn't matter to me. So for me, it was picking up milk. Okay? I will forget regularly and then justify it by pointing a finger at everybody else in the house. You're waiting for me to get milk. Why don't you get milk yourselves? Kind of stuff like that. So what I had to start to learn how to do is I had to make phone calls. Do you need anything in the house? <laughs> Before I get upstairs. So that we can have. Now for me personally, I can justify it. I'm lactose intolerant. I don't drink milk. You see that self-deception? It's sin because I know what I'm supposed to be doing and I don't do it. Are you listening to that? It's sin. 
I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be grafted into the community of the church. I'm supposed to be part of the church. I'm supposed to be giving back. I'm not supposed to be a taker. I'm supposed to be a giver. I'm supposed to be not only hearing but doing. These are just little truths, little gems that you should write down. Because I often tell the men that I work with regularly, don't read the Bible. You say, what you mean? You're a pastor. I said, don't read the Bible. Stay where you are. Because once you read it, you're responsible for it. Once you hear it, you're responsible for it. The word of God is either going to be this, 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 this honey on your palate that stimulates your hunger and desire to, to chase after God, or it's going to be a hammer that's going to smash you. This is the truth about the truth. The truth will set you free, but it's going to make you miserable. Because when the pastor says you can't be with that person, you shouldn't go over there. Let that go. Stop doing that. Man, I haven't seen you around for a little while. Oh, man. See, it makes you miserable. Say, oh, man, I knew he was going to tell me that. Why did I go talk to him for? I didn't want to hear that. The truth. I love you. We love you. We want to be able to speak the truth. Now, here's the problem that I have, that some people want to speak the truth just for speaking it. They don't care how they drop it on you. You know? Or they'll use words like, I told you that was going to happen. Right? You didn't listen to me. Right? It's not truth and love. Truth and love takes on certain characteristics. But here's how we forget God. This great theologian wrote this. And I wanted to read it. I kind of like cut it out and I wanted to make sure you read it. Look what he says on forgetting God. He says, I go hours, days, weeks at a time, never really thinking about him. Never really turn my heart and will over to him. Never seriously attend to him. Never bring him in sustained focus to my mind. The thought that by doing this, I am wounding the one who loves me. The thought that I am entangled more and more in the sin that brought Jesus to the cross. He's talking about how we forget God. That thought becomes bearable and then routine. Eventually, I find God doesn't seem very real. I find myself not praying all that much. The less I pray, the less real God seems. I forget God, and I forget sin. Now, I don't forget sin to the point where it's not in my life. I forget that I'm so far in it because God, I can't hear him no more. I'm not talking to him. I pushed them out of my day, of my moments, of my time. Some of us go Sunday to Sunday just thinking about God. Oh, it's Sunday? I got to think about God now. I got to get godly. I got to put on my godly shirt, my godly cologne. I got to make sure that I look godly from Sunday to Sunday. And it's not Sunday that matters. It's every other day. It's when you leave here. It's how you react and how you live out this truth. And it's in this context that Paul speaks to the Ephesians. In Ephesus, they were so used to hearing not the truth. They enjoyed their Epicurean lifestyle. They enjoyed the, the pleasure. Remember, this is the Greek you know, empire that we're talking about. They were into pleasure. That's where we get the words hedonism and all that stuff. That, that's what they did. But, but here's what Paul says to them. In your sermon map, if you have it with you, it should be in your bulletin. Take it out now. 
and walk with me, track with me as we go through it now. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Who's the head? Christ. Christ is the head with the body. So when we're speaking the truth, the purpose behind it is to help us to grow up. In Greek, the word there when translated is to mature. For us to mature, to, to grow up is to mature, right? How many of us know some people who are grown in body but really immature? Right? Doesn't that bother you? Right? And somebody could be all grown up and still immature. You, you even tell them, man, you're so immature, man. Right? You're still letting that bother you? You're still letting that affect you? You're still acting that way? So it's important for us to understand that Paul tell, is telling us there the reason we want to speak the truth. All right? We're going to love enough to speak truth is I want to help you mature. I want to help you grow up. This is one of the main reasons we're going into one service. We want to help grow up the committed. We want to pour into you God's word in such a way that it becomes a part of you. I said very early on, a calling is not something that man can put on you. It's not a a nameplate on your door. It's not a badge. It's not a registration. It's God calling you from darkness into the light. It's God who will equip you. It's God who will stir up that appetite in you to get into his word because it's his word that reveals who he is and the power is in his word. And he will give you his spirit. Again, grace, truth, time, spiritual formation. Some of us have been coming around too long. Too long. I want to say that with an accent. Too long. We need to grow up. But here's what happens when I speak to you the truth. And and let me just say that unlike others, I have some rough edges. No amen, please. I have some rough edges, so when I come to you, it may seem rough. But let me just use an example. You're crossing the street, a truck is coming, right? You know, you can't hear me because everybody now got their headsets on. La, 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 you're crossing the street. How would you want me to tell you? Be careful. Or, hey, the truck is coming. Which one's going to get your attention? The truck is coming. Listen to me. The truck is coming. Your marriages are not what they should be. Your relationships are not what they should be. Your finances, your walk with the Lord is not what it should be. You're over here. You need to get over there. And you're taking your time to get there. So along the way, you get distracted. You go shopping. Look, this is not Walmart. It's not. I've been to Walmart, spent all day, you get lost in the aisles, going up and down, up and down, up and down. This is not it. This is the truth. Take the truth. Let it make you miserable, but let it change you to become a vessel of the mighty God. Because he's left his heavenly realm so that he can come down, show us the way, and he's not finished yet. Do you realize that Jesus Christ intercedes on your behalf when you're unfaithful? When you're, when, when you're deep in your sin, when you're self-deceived to believe 
nah, I don't got to go to church today. Nah, I don't got to sign up for that class. Nah, I don't got to do this. Nah, I don't got to do that. God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. We misunderstand grace. Grace is not liberty to sin. Grace is not liberty to sin. And we have to be really, really aware of that. Amen? He says that clearly now in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. New Living Translation. Look what he says. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to do what? Teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Do you see why scripture is available to us? The, the, peop- the reason that people made the Bible, in the Bible, those characters you see, their lives are put on display on what to do and what not to do. Do you realize that there were good kings and bad kings? Do you realize that there were kings that were blessed? Do you realize there were kings that repented and did not repent? Do you realize that there were people who lied in the Bible? Do you realize there were people who told the truth and uphold the truth and allow God to use them? Do you realize there were people in the Bible who suffered? It's all in there. So the scriptures are useful to teach us, to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and teaches us to do what is right. So in that blank space there where you see the word to, put down the word correct. When we speak, when we love enough to speak truth, is to correct one another. Now, you're trying to, probably thinking, you're using right now your selective attention, you're avoiding the truth that the pastor is speaking and is saying, who are you to tell me how I should live? I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm telling you what God says. I'm living that. What God is telling me to do every day. Listen, listen to me. I need God every single day. I even need God right now for those people who are falling asleep that I don't throw my glasses at you. Right now, I need God to keep me. Now, you understand what I'm saying? I need the Spirit of God to remind me, love, 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 love. No, I want the taser, God. The taser. No. No, my son. No, my son. Not the taser. Right? Nehemiah, chapter 4, verse 14, New Living Translation. Nehemiah had this task that he had to do. The walls and the gates were were torn down. And he saw that condition and, and it broke his heart because he saw that there were people that were suffering and, and, and the way things were going on, he was like, no, nah, this can't be. And he got permission, he got favor from, from the person that he served and they gave him letters and he went out and, and he gathered these people. And look what it says here. It says, then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid. Man, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard that. Where you hear something like, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Fear not. How many times does God say that in his word? You want me to tell you? 365 times. Everybody got that? I'll say it again because some of you are going to get it later. 365 times. One for every day that you get up. 
as a believer. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Be with me. Amen? And he goes on to say, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Remember what I said, what we do with the truth? We forget God, don't we, right? He says, remember the Lord who is great and glorious. And fight for your brothers, for your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Now, you didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. Here, I'll say it again. It says, remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. The empty seat next to you is a brother, is a sister. There's someone that's not here that should be here. We have a baptism next week. We should all support those who are making confession of faith publicly. Confession of faith. Hallelujah. On the beach. I don't know why we chose 6 o'clock. That's the worst time. Rip current. Rip current. It's for those people who are not truly believing the Lord. I'm just going to dunk you and leave you. <laughs> Let the Lord have his way with you at that moment. <laughs> we may have to tie a rope around them, Bexy, just so they come back out. But the reality is just that. Don't be afraid. Fight for your brothers. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Why? Because the devil has a plan to destroy you. The devil wants nothing more than to take you out and he'll use whatever you like to take you out. Man, it'll be a shame. It'll be a shame that you don't let this happen. Because you, you take a misunderstand grace to be a liberty to sin and to keep doing it, keep doing it. Listen, the power of God is greater than anything else in your life that at this moment seems to be confusing you. The power of God can overcome your mind and the way you feel and the way you think, the things you do. But you've got to be able to bring them to God. You've got to be able to desire to give them to God. There's no way that anything is greater than God. God is it. God is it. But you know what begins to happen? We get so comfortable in our sin, we forget God. And now that sin becomes part of our makeup. And the wages of sin is death. So in that line there, right underneath that scripture, put the word encourage. Encourage. You love enough to speak the truth. You're not only helping someone to grow up, you're also correcting someone, but you're encouraging someone. You could do it. You could do it. Man, I'm cheering for you, man. Rah, rah, rah. Go, MBT. Go, 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 go. I'm cheering for you guys. I'm cheering for you guys. You can do it. You can do it. Now you wonder why they don't let me preach too much, right? <laughs> rah, 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 rah. There's got to be a cheering section. There's got to be people in your corner. If you've got a bunch of negative people in your corner, get rid of them. Buy them a ticket to Disney World. Go ahead, go. Let them go. You don't need that. Listen, I wish I had people in my life early on to tell me I could do it. But I heard things like, you're going to be just like your dad. You keep hanging out with them, you're going to be just like them. Keep doing that, you're going to be just like that. You know, one came along and just said, listen, you don't got to do that. God loves you too much. No one told me that. 
I was so far deep into it before I, I realized. And even then, I was like, God can't love me. Me? Filthy, dirty, stinking, bum like me? Here's the truth. He loves you. He loves you. All messed up the way you are, he loves you. And you're here. You know why you're here? Not because I'm some eloquent speaker. It's because you love God. And you need some direction. You need to, and you want the truth. But if you want the truth, there's a great line in a movie of Jack Nicholson says, right? Where Tom Cruise tells them, I want the truth. And he says, you can't handle the truth. But then Jesus says, the truth will set you free. I believe that every person here can handle the truth when it's spoken in love. So your tone is important. My wife always gets me with this. She always says, you're raising your voice. You're raising your voice. I'm not raising my voice. (laughs) You're lowering yours. (laughs) But but it's true. And we have to be conscious that when we, listen, if you love me enough, Speak the truth to me. Not your truth. Not your truth. Not your idea. Well, Pastor, you shouldn't wear black. You know, that, that's not truth. That's a fashion statement. Okay? Some of the things you wear, you shouldn't be wearing either. Right? That's not truth. My opinion. I want a biblical truth. How can I help you to grow? How can I correct you biblically? And how can I encourage you biblically? I don't need a word from another man. I don't need a word from, I need a word from God. I need to hear from God. I need to hear God tell me, son, I love you. Stop going that way because it's going to end bad for you. It all ends bad when you're living a life apart from me. Oh, but I got God. Yeah, you got God. You know how you got God? You have God on the shelf with your salt and your pepper. When you need a little flavor, you sprinkle a little Jesus, you put it back. That's not how we get God. God's got to rule and reign in our hearts. Jesus has to be in the throne of our hearts. We have to surrender. Uh Uh-oh, I'm about to curse. We have to give up control. I know we're all control freaks. We're in the right place. That's the truth. Let go. Let go. Let God do this. Take the grace not to be this, ooh, unmerited favor, although people use it that way a great deal. It's also the power to be able to move forward. That God says, okay, you messed up, get up. I got you again. Let's go do it. Not for you to say, oh, okay, I'm going to go do it anyway. God's going to forgive me later on. But you know what? Along with this misunderstanding of grace comes something called consequences. So now you've been on this timeline to get here, and you're still here, and you're wondering why. And discouragement comes over here because you have put a stop to what God wants to do in your life because you're taking your eyes and your focus off of Jesus and you put it on her, on it, on him, on that, on this. Let God do what he's got to do. I often ask the question all the time, where is Christ in your life? Where is he? Is he on the shelf next to the salt and pepper? And when you need a little flavor, you sprinkle it on and then you put it back on? Are you going from Sunday to Sunday expecting me to do this miracle and smack you on the head with a magic wand so that you can walk straight? God bless you. 
God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. If God wanted robots, he would have created robots. Each one of you has a unique thumbprint upon your life. It's the reason we're here. And I don't know if any of you know the history of NBT. The first Baptist temple, it was on Pierpont Street. It was all white. (laughs) We raided that place, man. (laughs) We kicked the doors down. And we said, no, this is, this is a church of all people. And we look in our audience, it's about all people. And some of us are messed up and, and, and all twisted. It's okay, you're in the right place. But here's what I'm asking you to do. Don't sit still and accept that as a station for you to live. It's just momentarily, but you've got to give yourself into this movement. This continuum. Okay, I'm here now. I'm here. I don't know what this is. I need to move forward. And this is what it is. When we speak to you, love, listen, everybody in this room should be signed up for a class. Everyone. Come September, you should be involved in a class. Anything going on, you should be there. You should be part of it. You should be doing it. I've seen a lot of you at anniversaries. A lot of you at anniversaries. Why do you go to anniversaries? Why? You got to answer that question for yourself. Because I think that when I go is to support the growth of that person in their recovery process. That they've actually committed to walking and doing steps and getting a sponsor and doing what you're supposed to be doing. But some of us are going from Sunday to Sunday. Jesus is on a shelf. And the greatest relationship you can ever have is with Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, and you're ignoring that relationship. And you keep saying, oh, well, God loves me. This I know, because the Bible tells me so. Right? That's right. You're right. He does love you. Yeah. But I've learned also that love is an action word. And he gave it all for us. And Paul said this wonderful, wonderful. In, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I believe it is, he's talking about people boasting about what they've done. And he said, wait, 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 wait a minute. Let me tell you what I've done. He says, I've been beaten. I've been bruised. I've been lashed at. I've been shipwrecked. Some of us here, we get pinched and we're crying. Oh, God, but the rent. Oh, God, but, um, you know, just in case you're wondering, one meal a day for some of you is okay. It's okay. As we work towards our health issues, eating healthy, one meal a day, eating light throughout the day is okay. Because the truth of the matter is that if you're still gasping for breath as you're walking, then you have a health issue. And that's the truth. And I'm not a doctor, but only you can attest to that. Amen? Last part there. So, so far, we want to grow up. Loving enough to speak the truth is to grow up, to help people mature, to correct, to encourage. And then Romans chapter 14, verse 19 says, So then, let us aim for what? Harmony. Harmony, another word in your, your, your seat, unity, in the church, and try to build each other up. Right underneath there, there's no line. I want you to put down the word, to edify. Edify comes from the word edification. 
the gifts that were given to people. As Jesus ascended, he poured out gifts to everybody in this room. And the purpose is for the edification of the church, to edify the church, to build up the church, to build up each other. So loving enough to speak the truth, I ask to build you up. How long are you going to play handball on the curb? How long? I want to build you up. I want to put you in a tournament. I want to expose you to a real handball court so that you can play. You can expose yourself to some big boy and some big girl stuff. But that means that you can't only just be a hearer, but you've got to be a doer of God's word. That you've got to be able to accept the truth when someone comes to you and that you don't throw off that sheet of self-deception and say, oh, that's just your stuff. Oh, that's just you. I'm learning to use these more than these. That's why he gave us two of them. Because we have to be what? Quick to listen and slow to speak. That's what the processing part is. Let me hear what he's trying to say. Is he saying this in love? Or is he saying this because he wants to get at me? It's love. It's love. Maybe it's not being served the way you like it. But if I see a truck coming and you're crossing the street, I'm sorry, I can't whisper. I can't whisper. I got to yell. Or I got to run up and try to dive. Well, I don't know if I want to do that. But I want to try to get you out of the way. I want to try to get you out of the way. And and Jeremiah, when when God says, listen, I got a message for you to speak to the people. You're the watchman on the wall. And if you don't tell them, I'm going to hold you responsible. I do not want your blood on my hands. I want to tell you the truth. And the truth is that a lot of us don't love, but we want to speak the truth. A lot of us don't love. Not biblically. Not the way God tells us to love. So we want to speak the truth, but we don't wrap it with love. We don't wrap it with love. We don't, you know, these these characteristics are not involved. Is what I'm telling you helping to correct your wrong? Is, is what I'm telling you shedding some light and encouraging you and helping you to grow up? Is it, is it building you up? I always tell the men when we go into a situation or a conflict or an argument or something, there are three things you need to be processing in your mind. First thing is, how does that other person feel? How does that other person feel at the moment? And am I going to make it worse by opening my mouth? Right? The second part is, am I tearing down or building up? That's where the word edification comes from. It's foundational. We got to get down deep. We got to get down low in our lives to see those foundational, those root causes of our behavior so that we can grow in the things of God. Some of you are so messed up as children, you're still carrying into your adulthood. Some of you are equating your relationship with your father, earthly father, with your heavenly father, and you're making a huge mistake because God is not like your earthly father. See, when my father disciplined me, it was so I could follow his rules. When God disciplines me, it's because he loves me and he wants me to grow into what he wants me to be, which is Christ-like. Stop saying you're a Christian. If you're not living that way, 
We gave you this, you know, 10-week series, and then we gave you these magnets to put on your refrigerator. Everybody remember them? It's Christ-centered life. How are you doing with your prayer life? Oh, Pastor, I didn't pray today because I had to rush out. I was going to miss the bus. How are you doing with your fellowship? Huh? Don't talk to me about fellowship. I'm antisocial. How are you doing with your witnessing? When was the last time you spoke to somebody about Jesus Christ? You see, you've got to get out of the way so that God can lead. God's got to be at the center of your life for you to do these things. What about your stewardship? And I'm not talking about money. Please don't lock me out and say it's about money. Stewardship with the life God has given you. What are you doing with it? I heard a great message this week about how early on in the 70s the church had literally told, no, you can't go into a secular world and learn how to do this. You've got to stay in the church, stay in the church, stay in the church. So some of us didn't become lawyers and doctors and teachers and all that stuff because we stayed in the church. And along the way, we, we lost out on being able to protest against the injustices that were going on. Listen, Roe versus Wade should not have been an issue if the church would have stood where it was supposed to stand, at the, at, at the steps of Washington, praying and crying out that abortion would not happen. Some of you right now are saying, well, it's my body. I can do what I want with it. No, it's not. That's another lie. Your life is not yours. This body is supposed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? It's not yours. Again, self-deception allows us to marinate in our sin. So now I come to you and I say, brother, you can't do that. No, man, what are you talking about? I can't do that. I can do what I want. My life. I said, no, brother, man, God says this and that. No, man, I was written by man to manipulate me. <laughs> no, man, it's God's word. It's God's word meant to help us to become more like Christ. That's what it is. So on the very bottom there, here's some things for you to do. Real simple. See that four-letter word? Anybody know what it is? Love, love, John 3.16, what did it say? For God so prayed, <laughs> for God so, no, for God so loved, love, 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 love. Listen to me, a lot of us have a problem with love here. You know why? Because you're loving based on your own idea of love. I need you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 to 13. That's your homework. That's your homework. Read about love so that now when you want to speak the truth, you're doing it in love. You know why? Because one of the things I learned is that loving someone, I keep no record of wrongs. I keep short accounts. People say, oh, that's a good term, short accounts. What does it mean? You know what? You said something to me, you did something to me, you ain't going home until we settle it. You're like, whoa, man, pastor, you got your taser out. Kill out. No. You know why? Because now I've led you to your own thoughts. Pastor don't love me. Pastor don't care about me. I ain't coming back to that church, man. Heck with them. I'm going to go somewhere else. And then you hear the truth over there. No, I'm going somewhere else. No, I'm going somewhere else. And this is what happens. Time, you can't get it back. So you've been searching for a church that tells you what you want to hear, and you ain't going to find it. Because the church is doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's preaching from the Bible, from the Word. Anything else that does anything else is what we call a cult. 
And normally a cult is centered around one person and what he can get from you. It's not what we want to be. Get yourself a Bible. Invest in yourself. Get involved in the class system. Get involved in making Thursdays. Get involved in supporting people when it comes to baptism. Get involved in showing up on time. Don't be the, 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 the last to show up and the first to leave. You know, church is going to start at 11 o'clock in another two weeks. You're going to roll in here at 1130 and miss the most important part of the sermon. Most important part. Trying to catch up later on. Realizing that you should be in your seat at the time you're supposed to be in there. We're going from 11 to 1230, an hour and a half, and then we got some classes for another hour after that. That's an investment well made in your spiritual transformation. It's then that God will be glorified because here's what is going to happen. You're going to make yourself available. Available. That's all. That we will be what? Fat people. Right? Faithful, available, teachable. That's it. Faithful, how am I faithful? Show up when I need to show up. Do what I need to do. Available. How can I help? You got two good hands, two good feet, you got a mind, you got a heart. How can I help? How can I help? And then teachable. You don't know it all. You don't know it all. You're a CEO in stupidity. Right alongside me. I need to learn it the way God has laid it out for me so I can grow in the things of God. We want to afford you that opportunity in this place. God wants to move in a mighty and special way and do some awesome things. But I've learned that I have to love enough to speak the truth. And listen to me. I love you. And maybe you're a little mushy and you need some romance. I'm sorry. I'm only romancing one person in this room. She's sitting right over there. I'm going to bring it how I'm supposed to bring it. Because you know what? When I lay my head on my pillow, I want to say, God, was that cool? Was that all right? And God will tell me. Do you love them? Yeah, I love you. So, brother, if I tell you you need to stop doing what you're doing, you need to show up, you need to give, you need to do whatever you have to do, do it. Do it. You know why? Because I'm doing it too. I'm doing it too. Every single day I'm doing it too. I'm reading my word. I'm trying to stay in prayer. I'm trying to stay in fellowship. Now, there are some places I go to and some places I don't go to. You know, I remember when I first started coming around, people said, oh, you got to go to the anniversary. And then I, you know, I started to realize that if I go to every anniversary, I'm never going to be able to have time to be in the Word. Not only that, but I also found that if I went to your anniversary and not yours, you get upset with me. So I was like, you know what? I can't win here. I can't win here. Because people are so super sensitive to that. Not understanding that each one of us has something to do in this body. And if I take time to be doing everything else and not be in the word, then I'm giving you a watered-down version of the truth. No power, no freedom. And I got to tell you something. There are some of us sitting in our chairs right now bound by the enemy. It's time for us to be free. You can't sing that song, freedom, if we're not free. We need to be free. Free. And the only way that happens is it's accepting the truth, speaking the truth in love as we continue to do correct, to encourage, and to edify. Let's bow our heads as we pray.
It's moments like this where we are silent before the Lord and we ask God to search our hearts. Say, man, God, oof, I needed to hear this. I feel a little uncomfortable right now and, you know, I need to, I need to leave quickly. I need to get out of here. Everybody's got their head bowed. Maybe it's a good time for me to escape. You can't run from God. God is calling. God is knocking. God wants this relationship with you that he intended to have from the very beginning. But along the way, our choices have gotten in the way. Sin has come in and the voice of God becomes very, very distant as other things begin to make noise. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that every man, every woman, every adolescent, every child that can hear your word right now will begin to surrender and yield and begin to realize that, yes, the truth sets us free, but it will make us miserable first. Lord, don't let any sinner be comfortable in this room. Having heard what they heard, make them uneasy. Provoke them, move them along that they may grow and mature in the things that pertain to you. You're a mighty and awesome God and we love you. Let us take our homework seriously. Let us not mistake our love for your love and let us read 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 through 13. Let us study your word and begin to realize what love looks like because love is an action. Let us make it our business to set aside time where we meet with you, where we read your word. And Father, I think that somewhere along the way we think that our prayers have to be eloquent. And they have to be full of a lot of verbs and a lot of uh, pronouns and all that good grammar stuff, Lord. Sometimes I just come before you and I say, God, I'm messed up. I need you. I can't take this no more. And that's all it takes, Lord, that we would pray to you from our hearts and not from a book, but from our hearts as we spend time in your presence. Help me to remember what matters most. Help me to remember that it's you who died at the cross for me. It's you who paid the sin debt for me. It's you who've come to set me free. So help me to fight. Me to fight, oh Lord. Because this life is worth fighting for. So Lord, I thank you right now for everyone in this room. I thank you that you will provoke us and move us. And make us miserable. But in the midst of all this, that they will know and we will understand that there is a loving God who loves us. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen, Amen. amen. You're